Welcome to Starters and Sides podcast. My name's Adam and I'm up in Manchester. And I'm Neil and I'm in London. Hello. Hello, mate. How are you? Not bad, mate. How are you? I'm very well. How's Manchester? Where have you been? What's well, good? Well, yeah, Manchester's good, mate. It's um, It kind of feels that we're in a normal world. And I know we talk about this every time we come on, but it's strange. I mean, been all over it. I mean, first of all, I've got to say, luckily had a week away um, since we last spoke. Went up to the Northumberland coast, part of the world I don't know, never been. Um, I think you've been there occasionally in the past, but don't know it at all. And wow, just just was absolutely blown away by the stuff up there and the food and the drink. And yeah, just, we stayed in a place called Craster, where they're famous for their Craster kippers. Um, which I know supply all over the country, but um, yeah. So in this little village of Crest, there was a fantastic pub called the Jolly Fisherman, and yeah, Crested Kippers were everywhere. We went to a beautiful place called the Potted Lobster, um, a few miles away. So we were around the Annick and Almouth part of, of Northumberland, and it was just absolutely stunning. But I tell you, to get away and be by the the coast was just phenomenal. But yeah, other places. Been, it's been great. It's been great to get out. There's a fantastic butchers that we've got here in Manchester called the Butchers Quarter. They did a supper club um, with great wine um, importer called Le Social, um, which was just stunning. It was the first supper club they'd run. Yeah, we went with friends. It was was great. Um, went to Tast, um, Pep Guardiola's place. Well, Pep Guardiola he isn't the chef, obviously. Um the backing of Pep Guardiola, <laughs> which, which was stunning. Um, and then at Redfish, um, one of Gary Usher's places, I've been described as a gusher. Um, <laughs> so we went to uh, Redfish in Liverpool, which was just stunning. Um, yeah, it, it, loads of different places. It's been a great, great month for getting out and about. And I think it, it was interesting, actually, because... Friends of ours, uh, we went out, uh, we actually went to watch the 100, the cricket, and on our way back, we, from Old Trafford, we went to Albert Sloss, one of the, the bigger bars in Manchester, and it was petrifying. <laughs> I, I, I can well believe it. I've, 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 I've been there with you in the, in the olden days, when you didn't really mind sort of being shoulder to shoulder with so many people having a good time, but I can imagine that's... A little unusual after 18 months of not. It was heaving. I, I really, I honestly will say I really didn't feel comfortable. It's nothing against Albert Schloss. It's nothing against, but having so many people like barging in at the bar back like the old days, actually quite, it felt really unnerving. And, you know, we managed to find a little bit of a quiet place within the bar, but yeah, it felt strange. But yeah, so I've been, it's been great. The last, the last month has been great getting out Excellent. of what about yourself? Yeah, much much the same. Again, um, trying to avoid the busier places. I mean, the tubes are kind of picking up. The the, the lack of mask wearing, I think we've spoken outside of this about, yes, all this idea of we have to learn to live with this disease. Go, yeah, but could, could we do that at a vague social distance and wearing masks <laughs> as opposed to... Um, yeah, licking each other in public again, as as appears to be looming. Um, yeah, and I've been catching up again with a few sort of old favourites. 
Uh, a friend was over, made it over from business um, from California um, and went with him to Noble Rock a couple of weeks ago, the original outpost, not the Soho one, as good as ever. Uh, went to a fantastic little kind of small place. It's almost like this, sort of the Italian version of Noble Rock, a place called Pino, um, like the wine without the tea, in uh, on High Street, Kensington. Um, really, really terrific little place. And hopefully we'll be speaking to them for a future edition. They have the only license in the UK to age balsamic vinegar. So there are barrels down the centre of the restaurant where they're aging balsamic vinegar, which sounds like a very interesting project. So we're going to hopefully find a little more about that in due course. Um, the, the big news probably is made it to Clay's Hyderabadi. I know I've been raving about this place on, on many of these podcasts. Uh, some of the best mail order kit we had uh, during sort of the last 18 months. They've reopened, uh, finally got to meet the lovely Nandana and Sharat, the, the, the husband and wife who, uh, who own and run the place, had a glorious meal, tried some of the stuff they can't send out. Wonderful hosts, wonderful food um, in, in a, the very unexpected location of Reading. Um, so yeah, again, I, again, look them up. We'll, we'll put all the links and stuff on the, uh, on the podcast, uh, Instagram at the end of this. So again, can't recommend them enough, but it was so nice to actually see them in three dimensions. I know it's amazing, isn't it? It's about that thing about getting out and about again. And I know you've been chatting to a couple of people about, we talked a lot in, in the, the previous podcast, I think we're in what number five now. And we've talked about, the future of hospitality and the way things have been and and we kind of felt it's okay us two talking about it and what we think which i guess is what this podcast's about but you had the opportunity to to chat to a couple of people kind of on the front line on in hospitality and what it's been like yes indeed um a couple of couple of great names very very contently they agreed to uh, to speak to us it was a real nice little coup um yeah we wanted a as you say, we want to talk about the return of hospitality. It does feel like there's um, some positivity, but it's not been an easy time. There are going to be some victims at the end of all of this. So uh, first of all, um, I called up a few weeks ago with Lisa Goodwin-Allen, uh, who you might have all seen on the Great British Menu winning, well, well, pretty much every course the, the year that she was involved. Uh, she's uh, the executive chef at Northcote, uh, Michelin-starred, a hotel restaurant in Lancashire um, and during lockdown obviously they were unable to open as a restaurant or a hotel for many months at a time and Lisa and the team uh, started producing these gourmet boxes so there was 50 or so for a local audience at first before expanding to a remarkable 350 a week across the UK it was one of the best kits it was probably the best cook at home creative kit that I did during lockdown um, and so, yeah, had an opportunity to sit down with her, discuss the future of hospitality, and obviously I had to start by asking how those boxes came to be. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so we, we were very lucky. Um, and, you know, the impressive thing about the hospitality in a whole is the fact of how people changed, um, changed quite quickly and adapted to, you know, keep the business going, keep the, the people employed um, and keep their livelihoods going, basically. Um, and, and that was impressive up and down up and down the country. In the first lockdown, we, we, we pondered whether we were going to actually look at, um, you know, doing a food box or not. And it was quite a, a shorter lockdown um and it, it got to the point where we were back open again and it was it was around about august september time and we we thought to ourselves look it's, it's getting a little bit kind of uneasy here of what's going to happen but we thought we'd test the waters with um with a food box for me it was about really important of getting the concept right i wanted to feel people to feel a sense of of me with food we do at Northcote and Northcote at home and um, it had to be you know value for money but that kind of treat that you wouldn't necessarily do yourself at home but give people the confidence to actually maybe learn a new technique at the same time to say oh I will cook this again um, so we, we did 50 um, around about the September time out the back of the kitchen um, you know they, they sold out and people were really receiving them well but it was only for pickup only um, so at this point it was about delivering the box and the food we hadn't even thought about the nationwide of how it's going to get there um so then um through the september time obviously we were trialing these boxes um and then it got closer to october where fortunately the businesses were going to start to shut um so just before then i actually we sent the box out to a few different people probably about six different people uh, nationwide just to see how the boxes would get there temperature and packaging wise um, you know, we had a few tips and tumbles on the way. Uh, my sister actually was the first one to get the box and it was smashed up on the doorstep. So it was like back to the drawing board on this one. And the packaging was um, something else. You know, you think creating food is, for me, it, it, it's amazing. You can show every emotion for it. And you wanted to do the same uh, when you're creating the food for the boxes. But it was like, how does that deliver and um, get to... The customer in one piece um so the packaging was really important of how we do it because um you know the, the first off we started off with like kind of cod with curried pills and pomegranate this whole crown of chicken um, and then we did something an apple cheesecake that looked like an apple um, that was served an apple cheesecake with toffee sauce um and it, it was how do we get that to the home so there was a lot of like trial and testing in it um, and we achieved it and we got we got the packaging right and for me it was also creating that sensation of the journey because when you arrive to a restaurant it's a journey so you wanted people to open it and go oh ah, you know this is or oh, this is where's this and what you do with it and and be easy and adaptable for people to follow the instructions at home so when it got to obviously October um we we got everything right and then as soon as we kind of went into the full lockdown we started delivering them nationwide um, it was 350 boxes we were doing a week and they were selling out within 15 to 17 minutes and and honestly it was like um people got a little bit upset that uh, they couldn't get a box and there was a few like kind of words being said over Instagram and Twitter and everything on the phones and we were like well, it's like Glastonbury, isn't it? Once the tickets are gone, they're gone. <laughs> you couldn't lie and get enough. Um, so we were working hard and it kept like nine of our team in in, um, in work. It kept us working. And, and for my focus, it was always trying to like, evolve to how you make the box better. So people were really kind of feeling valued at home. 
Uh, we did incredibly well and um, it's quite humbling really to sit here and say that people loved them up and down the country and we've got so many great feedback off them. Um, so we carried them on right to the end. There was a couple of times where we did 500 and that was uh, a testing thing. But for me, it's like I was there all the time and my team were on it and we were just devoted to this box. So all the time and attention went on this box. And for me, you know, now is um, we've obviously come out of lockdown and we've opened the restaurant. And um, it's great because we're extremely busy. Um, we, we are going through those bits of hard times due to the fact that the staffing levels are really hard for the hospitality. You know, they, we've been hit big. You know, we were the first ones really hit through it. And now we're being hit again because we can't. Everybody wants to eat, but they don't want to work. Um, so it's about kind of, you know, and, and mental health's been massive. You know, the team were, were some of them were, didn't work for seven months. And it's how you deal with that. And bringing people back in and I think it's to take the positives out of things you know um it's life balance and back years ago in kitchens you'd work from you know six in the morning to one o'clock in the morning people don't want to do that anymore and it's about how you can structure your teams um and about the, the life of someone is you know if they're happy um they're learning they're doing amazing food you get amazing food, amazing product and, and things for your business. But, you know, it also works in the back way. If your staff are overworked, not happy and they're not learning, it, you know, it, you get the the back come from that as well. So it, it's really, and that's one big thing for me is that, you know, the next generation have got to be, they've got to be learning. Um, so, you know, we're working incredibly hard and eventually we're, we're looking at keeping going with the boxes but we're going to keep them at Northcote and only do 100 boxes a week say only <laughs> um, but we're going to hire a mini team but they'll they'll be close to us because literally we've got like we've just made this um small kitchen uh, we've got a really big kitchen at Northcote and we're so lucky in that it, it's beautiful um and on one side of it was kind of um you know benches that we could actually kit out and put its own section so we've used that for the private dining room that we've got 60 cupboards we we'll use that kitchen and we'll always use use that kitchen to the boxes as well. But it's about now um, bringing them back online again so we can produce them to what they were, the standard of what they were or better. Um, so that's kind of what we're waiting for at the minute. So hopefully we'll uh, bring them back. Because I think, you know, again, it's another, it's another business in itself um, and it gives people that little um, thing, touch that you can have at home. Um, and I think it's still there. I think people will still enjoy that. You know, it's like we talked about, you've got that um, cost of going out all the time. And when people get to that point, they'll go, oh, why don't we just have a box at home in the comfort of our own home? And I think to be able to do that and do 100 boxes extremely well, um, we'll, we'll, we'll carry on. So, yeah, soon, hopefully, we'll uh, bring them back online. Amazing, mate. Well, Lancashire, see? That North South, <laughs> um, brilliant, and it, it it was great to hear this like a little bit of like optimism and hopefulness at the end. It wasn't, you know, obviously we talked. She was talking about the the downside of it, but there was that little bit of spark at the end, wasn't? It? Yeah, I think that's. I think this is all we can really hope for at this point. Is 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 hope? Um, the and we we both experienced in 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 our respective cities. The there is a rush to kind of come back. There is. Um, an enthusiasm for eating out um, and socialising again. And hopefully there will be, there's going to be a lot of success stories coming out of this. There's going to be a lot of disaster stories as well. I think we've got another year or two before 
the dust really settles. Um, and on that on that note, um, and in brutally honest form, uh, I also caught up with Will Beckett, uh, who, along with Hugh Gott, is one of the founders of Hawksmoor, one of those rare restaurants that um, that we can both claim uh, from London and Manchester. Um, so we caught up with him a few weeks ago. So around about the time the, the first of the Boris Johnson um, announcements was due, so we weren't really sure what was going to happen. Um, so, yeah, just asked him really again how things had been for Hawksmoor during this time. Um, let's play the interview. So I'm here online with Will Beckett, who's the uh, one of the co-founders of Hawksmoor. Um, Will, um, at the risk of already knowing the answer, how, how was 2020? 2020 was... I mean, it was a roller coaster. I guess is probably the best answer I can give you. Um, I mean, I'm, I found the first lockdown kind of passed by in a, in a haze, really, from you know the sort of intensity of those early days where you spent an entire day trying to get to grips with what was going on, made a whole load of decisions, and then woke up in the next morning, realised they were all completely out of date, tore them up, and started started again. <laughs> Felt a bit like a bit like the myth of Sisyphus pushing <laughs> up the hill, uh, but in, but actually in a strange way, I sort of enjoyed it. I sort of enjoyed the the challenge and the tension and the adrenaline of it all, and I definitely got through it all on adrenaline. Uh, and then and then there was definitely kind of a bit of a crash, and after that, after that kind of period, uh, you know by which point we didn't really worry about whether we were going to survive or not. Um, yeah, it was, I definitely, I had, I had really, really good moments. I had really, really low moments. Um, it was just, it was just very difficult and quite an introspective period for me. Mm-hmm. I, don't know about, I don't know about you. Yeah. I think it was the case for, for everyone. As you say, that, that first lockdown was um, just slightly surreal and kind of just passed. Um, and, and kind of dealt with it as things came up, and then as things went on, and you kind of realised the the greater implications for for quite a lot of things that I was involved with, or, or yeah, the, the type of industries that I write about, it became yeah a little more worrying. So little glimmers of hope, little moments of disaster, more glimmers of hope, <laughs> more more disaster, I guess. Yeah, hope and disaster. That sounds about right. <laughs> sounds yeah. I think that was a thing. We'll get that on a t shirt. Um, so, I mean, you, you come to there. So, I mean, you, you got to a point of, of not really worrying about whether you survived or not, or, or, or Hawksmoor carried on. Yeah, I mean, no, maybe not quite not worrying, but I mean, we 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 were lucky in a lot of ways. We started the pandemic with a reasonable amount of money in the bank, and we topped it up with the biggest loan we could possibly work out how to get. Um. And, you know, there was a point around whatever it was, kind of the summer, where, you know, we knew exactly how much money we were losing every week. And we thought we could survive for a significant number of weeks um, before it all it all ran out and, and, and everything went. Mm-hmm. And I think even then we'd kind of, you know, we'd talk to our investors and said, I assume you won't let that happen. And they said... 
yeah, that's right. We won't. Um, so yeah, we never, we, we never, it, by a certain point, it didn't really feel like an existential threat. I mean, there were loads of problems, but not, will we survive? And I, get, and, I mean, famously, I mean, seeing the way you've reacted to things on social media and stuff, you've, you've clearly got very, very strong team and a, and a very um, sort of dedicated approach to your to your team. Do you know what, it's, ne- it's never been better, actually, that team thing. I, I think, in particular, the group that I work with every day, you know, the, the, the finance director and the HR director and all of that kind of stuff, managing director, I think we just found like a really great appreciation for each other. I mean, we've all worked together for the best part of a decade anyway, but it really did become, you had no time whatsoever to kind of get involved in someone else's area, to question people's decisions too much. You really just had to say, I am good at this and this only. That's what I will focus on. And you've got to trust everybody else. And I think we all kind of came through it thinking, Actually, that felt really good. Maybe, maybe we should work like that all the time. Uh, whereas, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's just something about kind of having gone through an ordeal together that was really bonding, um, and it did feel it did feel like we were on top of it as well as we could be. Yeah, no, I, I get that kind of we're all in it together aspect. I think that does did come through in quite a lot of. Uh, lot of the industry, a lot of my sort of yeah. dealings with with various people in the industry. And I say the, I mean, you launched the the at home kits. Mm-hmm. How how much of a help were they in kind of keeping things going, keeping the team together, keeping people occupied? Yeah, I think it it was some things and not other things. So, I mean, really financially, especially in twenty twenty. Uh, it was it was by the by to be honest. I mean, not that it wasn't it wasn't profitable, but I mean, it took losses from God. This is unbelievably painful. How much money we lose every week? To God, this is fractionally less painful. How much <laughs> money we lose every week? Um, but it did do a lot for us, and I think you could summarize it all really as hope rather than worry. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's something to look forward to. It's something to hope. For, something to work positively towards so it gave staff work and the ability to kind of come in and to know that we were kind of fighting and doing everything we could and I think it gave customers a lot I mean it's actually interesting to I realized the other day we didn't launch it in lockdown we launched it exactly as lockdown ended we launched it in July um, but I think it really came into its own at the beginning of 21, when we had whatever, we had five months of lockdown, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it it did something, I think, really meaningful, which is it brought people little moments of happiness. Because um, it was always geared up to be more than just food. We kind of felt there was no point in us trying to do delivery or takeaway. You know, that's not what, that's not what our food lends itself towards. No. So we're trying to like do, can you replicate you know, the happiness of going to a restaurant in someone's house. And I think actually the answer is meaningfully yes, but in particular in lockdown, I think it was just really, really nice for people to have moments of feeling happy. Yeah, I think as as I said, it's it's those little glimmers of of hope or normality or I think even from 
things like sort of the the, the, the at home boxes you were doing and, and and other people is knowing that kind of the suppliers were being helped out that yeah, exactly those right. relationships continued yeah 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 it kind of it just kept you know no restaurant exists on its own is it it's, there's an ecosystem and it kind of kept the ecosystem alive and everybody understood that it needed to shrink in a way you know we couldn't all do the business we'd done before or buy as much or whatever it was you know from suppliers but i think it did mean stuff to people that we tried to continue in some way at some level i think it was meaningful and i understand you're you're continuing with the the at home boxes in in some way shape or form yes we are yeah uh We've, we've, we've got some really, really great people who are focusing now on just that, which I think is great. You know, they're not kind of getting drawn into the reopening. They're entirely focused on Hawksmoor at home. There's so much to think about and work on. Um, I mean, just to give you some random examples of that, 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 are, that are on my mind a lot. But one of them is... You know, we, we, we operate in a world where we, the restaurants, are really at the centre of the world, right? You, the customer, you come to us. And to a certain extent, you come at a time of our choosing. And to a certain extent, you have what we say you can have. It's quite a weird premise now in like mm-hmm. a you know, modern digital world. Because in digital, it's the exact opposite, isn't it? You get what you want when you want it, where you want it. And broadly speaking, that is whatever you want to exactly where you are now. And it's just such a massive change. And all the work that has to go into the operational side is a massive change of how the restaurant industry thinks. So it, it it's really, really exciting for me anyway, watching us trying to work out how to exist in this other kind of world, really. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been interesting seeing. I mean, it's it's opened up restaurants across the UK to to to, to me and my wife and, and and other people I know, um, as well as being able to kind of experience some kind of familiar things during some sort of dark days. So I think yeah. it's, it's 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 a very interesting and a potential kind of future business for for or revenue yeah, streams for a lot of day. for a lot of restaurants. Yeah. We went to go and see some, you know, non-restaurant friends and they'd moved from London to the Cotswolds and I asked them, you know, where'd you go and eat? And they said, well, you know, a local pub and this and that, but there isn't a lot of great stuff around here. So, you know, we don't, we don't enjoy eating out to the same extent as we did when we lived in London. I was like, but any, you know, just pick your favourite world-class restaurant at the moment and they'll, you know, in, in, in this country and they'll send you an experience of the restaurant now. Uh, and suddenly a whole load of places where, you know, Hawksmoor could never open a restaurant. Yeah, you can have a great, you can invite some friends around, have a really, really great Hawksmoor meal. I think it's fantastic. You know, I see friends who've just had babies, uh, you know, two or three kids. I remember that when my kids were really, really young. And you think, I don't even know how we would go out, let alone all the extra expense of babysitter and cabs and God, you'd have to stay up past half past nine in the evening. You don't have to do any of that stuff now. You just order it, have it at home. It's so simple. You know, mm-hmm. it just goes in the oven while you put the kids to bed, you know, deal with the washing up in the morning and you're in bed by nine if that's what you want to do. And it's cheaper than going to a restaurant. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think there's loads and loads of scope for it, but 
we're, we're scratching the surface at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're, um, we're speaking on the, the, the day we're, we're anticipating um, a, a Boris Johnson announcement and potentially the suspension of all sort of COVID restrictions in a couple of weeks' time. Yep. Um, what what do you think is going to happen with hospitality in the in the coming weeks? And, and how is the public appetite for sort of eating out looking? I think... I, th- I think when I think about it, I, I, I think about the phrase K-shaped, K-shaped recovery or K-shaped recession. I don't know whether you've heard of that, but it's the idea that as we kind of move out of COVID, some people and some sectors of the economy will rebound really fast and some will continue to struggle and, and maybe even get worse. And I think that reality is is present in our industry. I think it's going to be difficult for some pubs and bars and restaurants for a while now um but others will just bounce back immediately you know mm-hmm. you kind of see a lot of stuff in the suburbs doing really really well a lot of destination restaurants doing well but you know kind of gr- grab and go stuff anything that relies on office workers making a relatively spontaneous decision is going to be hard for a while so there is appetite but i don't know i think it's difficult to kind of get the nuance of how it plays out across a whole industry. I think what you'll see in the papers is, yeah, here is X, well, maybe Hawksmoor. Here's Hawksmoor. It's really, really busy. I can't get a table. Therefore, the hospitality industry is back. Mm-hmm. That's not really the truth, is it? Some restaurants being back is not the whole industry being back. And I, I think it will take us some time to recover. And I mean, on a really boring note, no one's come to collect any of the debts yet, have they? That bit's been put off and put off again for landlords. And I think at some point there will be knocks on the door for debt. And I suspect that that will mean that more restaurants will have to close eventually. Yeah. No, that's, there is that sense of something looming. But I guess, I mean, I've seen a few people speculate that that could be positive in terms of Kind of city centres where people couldn't afford to open restaurants before, you might get a wave of I don't know the the 1994 St John esque really dedicated chefs, chefs with a particular enthusiasm for for a type of cuisine, being able to actually afford to open somewhere. And I, I definitely believe that. I mean, you know, in our industry, let's I mean, whatever COVID, let's just say for the last eighteen months, I know that's slightly wrong, but for the last eighteen months. The industry has been held in suspension, hasn't it? Very, not nearly as many places have closed as probably would have closed without the pandemic because they've been kept on life support and they may eventually, but it hasn't happened so far. Equally, no one's come in. So I kind of think you might get this sudden burst of creativity and that'll be driven partly by it being much more affordable to open a restaurant. So I, I, I definitely think there'll be some silver linings to this. Fantastic. I think that's a a positive note to, to finish on. Will, thank you so much for your time. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Well, there we go. Uh, as, as I say, quite brutally honest at times. Um, but again, with a little bit of, there is a little bit of positivity in there and a little bit of hope. So I guess... We're not going to come up with any immediate answers on this. What is the future of hospitality? But there are some green shoots. There are some some plan Bs that will emerge. Let's 
I guess one thing that lockdowns have taught us is prepare for the worst and hope for the best. I think you're right. And I, I think with my other hat on as a marketing consultant, I've spoken to a few businesses over the past couple of weeks who are, well, actually businesses they're looking to set up businesses and they really want to do something in the food and drink sector. And I think there is kind of that hope, there is that feel of things are moving again. But I think it's also kind of, I kind of hate this word a little bit, pivoted people's thoughts into what else they can be doing and other ways they can be doing things. And um, I, I, I think for the first time since we started doing this, that I feel more optimistic, whether as, as the industry as a whole, I feel more optimistic than I did, I've done at any point. Um, taking my personal stuff aside of not wanting to go into crowded bars with people throwing £10 notes at the bar staff and all that kind of stuff. Take that away from it, the personal side of it. But I think as an industry, I think there is a bit of a feel again, you know, the markets are starting, all of those things. So, I, you know, we've just got to keep our fingers crossed, haven't we, I guess. Indeed. And I think as as Will touched on in that in that conversation, if we do go through further lockdowns, if there are more hiccups, I, I rather suspect there, there might be in terms of um, general handling of this, the general population at large, um, and just the nature of, of what we are all dealing with. The speed with which people can adapt, because they've done it once, twice, three times already, the, the, the mechanisms are there to kind of kick back in that little bit quicker. So hopefully, as I say, it's not always going to be good news. It's not going to be sort of, you know, fortunes and, and, and it's not going to be raining money for a long, long time, I think, in, in this industry. But there are going to be some silver clouds still. Sorry, sorry not silver clouds, silver linings. Silver linings to silver clouds. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess. I, I know we're going to touch on this a little bit more in the future, but we've got to throw the B word in there. You know, that just as things get back to some kind of normality that, you know, whatever's going to happen with Brexit and how that's going to affect food and drink. And, you know, we're already talking about the limited supplies of certain foods and all And staff as yeah, well that, that is, the, yeah. is the, the big challenge for a lot of people at the moment. It's, it's a rare day on Twitter that I don't see a chef or a restaurant appealing for some kind of, um, yeah, they, they've got a vacancy they need to fill. There's a, a few projects that I'm involved with sort of directly and indirectly where we're really trying to find uh, the right personnel. And it's on the plus side from the um, sort of kitchen and front of house perspective, it is, um, it's a buyer's market. They, they, they can, um, sorry, it's a seller's market, sorry, even, um, that hopefully, you know, money... That the salaries will have increased because they have to, that we will be looking after people's mental health because we have to. So there may be, as things come back, it might not come back to the size of the industry, but you would hope there is at least a more positive industry that will come up through it all. But yeah, I think there's a, there's an awful lot to, to shake down yet in terms of, as you say, supplies, staff, everything. Yeah. So we again, we I guess we suck it and see, mate. Definitely. And, you know, I just, I guess from a, 
a hospitality industry point of view, I just hope that if anything comes out of all of this, it's just like how tough an industry it is. And the people that work within it, everything they have to put up with, all of the different things. And at the end of the day, they're putting a really nice pint in front of us or they're putting a really good plate of food in front of us. And there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes for that, that perhaps hopefully now people will appreciate a bit more. But anyway, uh, so what you got planned for the next few weeks? Anywhere are you going? Where are you off to? Well, if all goes to plan, um, we should be recording the next one live in the same room, if if we can. Um, I'm going to be heading up to your neck of the woods and uh, heading up to uh, to Northcote and to the Parker's Arms, which I'm very, very excited about. Parker's Arms is amazing. Just, just absolutely amazing. That pie. I'm still talking about that. <laughs> Mutton pie. I'm still talking about it now. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. Pie. Uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very, very greedy 24 hours. Um, yeah, a couple of other things. There's, a, there's an African restaurant I'm going to go and investigate tomorrow um, with regard to another uh, feature I'm uh, doing for Foodism magazine. Um yeah, there's, again, just trying to get out there, see what's, see some of the newest stuff. There's some interesting things popping up still. There's a couple of uh, interesting sort of concepts that uh, seem to be on their way. So, uh, yeah, again, we'll watch this space and we'll we'll see what we can we'll see what we can bring. We'll certainly tell people about the best of them. Hmm, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I've got a couple of places. Um... The next supper club for the Butchers Quarter, which I've got to give a mention to. Um, the first, as I say, I went to last month was amazing. They did it with reserve wines this time. Just phenomenal food. Um, over to Chester. Um, it's my wife and I's wedding anniversary. So we're going to go to Oddfellows, the, the hotel where we got married. We should grab some food there. Keeping up the, the gusher tradition. <laughs> sticky walnuts in Chester as well, which... Is just absolutely incredible. Um, we're off to the White Hart as well, which has been on our list for a long, long time, which is kind of saddled with way. So, yeah, a few places um, lined up. And, and as you say, hopefully face-to-face recording another podcast next time. So Fingers um, crossed. With hopefully some, uh, some some nice news to announce as well at that point. And so well, there could be beer. <laughs> Potentially. I've already been made. So great to speak to you. Uh, thank you, everybody, for for listening. Um, really appreciate it. What we're going to be doing, um, as Neil said, we're going to be getting links out to the places we talk about. Um, we've been a bit shit, really. <laughs> if we're dead, already. yeah, yeah. No, we have, we have. It's it's. Uh, we, we have we have little. There are little moments of of, of glory and, yeah. and busyness and, and doing so what we're we should. Gonna do, we're going to try and do a bit more of that so you can have a look at the places that, we, that we, we're talking about. Um, the plan is as well, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get, uh, we'll sort out email addresses and things so that you can let us know where you've been and places that you recommend, um, whether it be down south, up north, wherever it may be. and Or if you've been to some of the places that we've talked about, tell us what you think. And hopefully... We're going to, you know, considering my own marketing, I'm doing a pretty shit job doing it with this podcast. But hey, that was never the intention. It was just a chance for us to have a bit of a chat and have a bit of fun with, with what we're doing. So thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Cheers, buddy. I shall hopefully see you in a couple of weeks' time. Looking forward to it. Always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure.